Welcome to the Ink to Film Podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week we discuss Steven Spielberg's 2018 sci-fi film, Ready Player One. Now let's log into the Oasis one final time and head to Planet Doom. Halliday's Easter Egg Unlocked. Here we are. We saw Ready Player One. Uh, after our coverage of, of the book, we did three episodes on the book, and we've seen the movie now. Um, I guess just right off the bat, what did you think, Luke? Uh, yeah, I'm, I I mean, I'm really curious to hear what you think, um, but for me, uh, I enjoyed the movie. I See, I, I was someone who enjoyed the book quite a bit. We talked about it over the course of our last three episodes. Um, and I think this movie preserved a lot of the spirit of the book, sort of that fun nostalgia, but also just an adventure story kind of feel, um, while being still quite different, um, different in a lot of ways. But mostly the differences worked for me, but I'm going to be curious to see if that is the same for you. So let me know. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I I went and saw it. Ultimately, I did like it. Um, I walked out having really enjoyed myself. I felt like there were things, I mean, we talked about it in in our last episode, there were things in the book that that could be improved on. I felt like um, there were strides taken to try to address some of those things, and I'm sure we'll get more into that. Um, And not fully fixing them, I would say, but, you know, taking taking strides in the right direction. And um, ultimately, like, it's... You're talking about some of the inclusion concerns we brought up and, and stuff like that. I, I, I don't want to be so opaque that, or that you know, no one knows what we're talking about. Uh, in our last episode, we brought up some of the kind of social concerns that have been kind of a, I guess, backlash or reaction to this to the book and how we thought it could have been avoided maybe with certain choices and how we both hoped that the movie would address some of those concerns. And I think I agree. I think it did in some ways, um, you know whether or not enough for you, I think it was going to come down to personal, you know, your personal reaction to it and your, and how much you disliked the book for these concerns. Um, so yeah, we're not going to tell you what to think, but we can just react to, to how we did. Right. And I feel like that's, that's something we should also say is that we enjoyed a lot of the references and the fact yeah. that there were a lot of references in the book. And if you liked that in the book, then you're going to like that in the movie because there's a ton <laughs> sure. of references. It's nonstop. They're in your face. So if that's something that you felt like you heard about in the book or read the book and didn't enjoy that as much, probably not going to like the the movie quite as much as we do. But with that being said, I did want to say that like Spielberg is, you know, he's a legend. So many of his films are so ingrained in people's hearts. And I feel like this one is like is like mid to upper range Spielberg. Like I feel like really? it's a good it's it's good. I wouldn't put it in the pantheon of, you know, your ETs and your Jurassic Park and Jaws. But I, I enjoy myself and I think it all in all it was a good Spielberg movie. So to put you on the spot a little bit, uh, if I had to ask you like what makes a movie a Spielberg movie, other than the fact that he just made it, you know what I mean? But like what is it about him you think that makes him so legendary and that it's like his particular 
um, signature that he puts on his films that he's famous for. So there are like certain tropes that he puts into his movies that become like Spielberg tropes. The the adults being kind of not as not as aware or intelligent as the kids, and the kids kind of banding together like to out do this of touch thing. Adults. Right, out of touch adults. Yeah. Um, you get your amazing sweeping camera movements and and um really just he has such an eye for film like his his composition his camera movements are always very fluid and you'll you'll start up in one setup and you'll there'll be a camera move into a perfect other setup that'll be like another perfectly framed picture if you just took a screenshot of it Mm -hmm. um and i think this movie had a lot of that a lot of very kinetic very like interesting looking shots and something that's hard to do a lot in a lot of CG, like, you know, this is a very CG heavy film. Something yeah. that's hard to do is make that legible and to make that, to make the audience understand where the camera is in space and what things are happening and who is where. Um, mm-hmm. He's just got such an IQ for it. And he's, I mean, he's, that's, that's like, he is the godfather of blockbuster filmmaking because he's able to put through these elements together. A lot of it's genre, you know, it's got, it's, he, a lot of his stuff is like, there's either an alien or, um, a monster or some sort of adventure pulpy mm-hmm. feeling you know and i think um ultimately what makes a spielberg movie over everything else what makes a spielberg movie to me is uh the heart of it like all of his mo- movies there's there's a backdrop of emotion to them and i mean you can say that for a lot of movies but his particularly like strike to the chord where it's like Elliot and E.T. I, I always growing up watching that movie and even now watching it like you you are so close to E.T. and to Elliot and um, their journey and seeing such a young actor portray this like kind of hardship with a divorce like you know an absentee father and all that stuff. it's just there's always something more to his stories rather than just there's an alien and they got to get him back onto a ship so for that for how does that come out in this movie would you say I guess with that I mean we might be kind of spoilers to talk about too much of it but in general, in general terms, did you find that that was true? You said you thought this was a pretty good Spielberg movie, so yeah. So I mean, if we're if we're gonna get into like this is still non spoilers, but if we're gonna get into details about it, um, I felt mm-hmm. like it was visually exciting. I felt like there mm-hmm. was a lot of creative, creative, creative shots going <laughs> on and <laughs> creative and uh, creative shots uh-huh. and. Uh, really interesting situations as the characters get into and, and a lot of that fun, like Goonies vibe with the the, yeah. the group of kids and, and like dealing with the adults, the, the, you know, corporation. But if, if there's something that I feel like the reason I say this is like a mid tier for me is because I feel like the characterization, not necessarily the portrayal by the actors, but like the, what the characters were given to do. Ultimately, I felt like the characters weren't very deep characters. They were kind of sure. m- more one dimensional. So like they made improvements on Wade, I don't want to say too many things, but I feel like they made improvements on Wade by by kind of giving him less of the main focus of the movie. Yeah. Um, by making him less of this, like, he was like a little, I, w- I don't want to say arrogant, but he was like very like smug about some of the things that he knew in the book. And you know what I mean? He had that attitude to him. Yeah. And in this, he has less of that. And it might make him less of a dimensional character, but it, I think it was the smart thing to do for his for his character. But I felt like just all in all, I don't think that these characters will penetrate the zeitgeist. And I don't think people will be talking about these characters for years to come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the characters, I think I would love to hear your take on each one of the high five in particular. But I wanted to touch on the thing you said about Spielberg and how his movies are fun. And there's this sense of adventure and that kind of thing. Because I think that's where Spielberg 
his style meshes so well with Klein's novel because I think at the heart of Klein's novel, that's what it is too. And so I think that's why when you see these two things come together, you don't have this clash at the heart of like what the what the what the project is, right? If you had someone who came in who had a very different style and tried to adapt a novel, that's when you often get sometimes something amazing, but often it can be sometimes it's so different, it's almost unrecognizable. Whereas for this, even with all the changes, because both of them had the same spirit to it, I think it, it ended up feeling like a worthy adaptation to me, and uh, you know, and, and one that I enjoyed. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, when we were reading the book, it felt like Klein was writing a Spielberg-esque story, and then for him to adapt it is just, you know, a, a perfect lineup. Okay, so I think I just want to talk about Spielberg a little bit more. Sure. Um, normally, we talk about the filmmaker before we get into it. Um, everyone knows Spielberg, but just so this is out there, he's an American filmmaker. He's considered one of the fi- founding pioneers of the new Hollywood era and is one of the most popular directors and producers in film history. He's the father of the blockbuster, as I said before. He is also one of the co-founders of, of DreamWorks Studios. Um, I mean, we don't need to talk about all of his movies or anything like <laughs> that, but Jaws, Close yeah. Encounters of the Third Kind, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List. It goes on and on. Everyone knows him. You've seen one of his movies, I'm sure. Right. And for him to come and do this film, is it's really interesting to me because he had taken a step away from these adventure films for a little while. He was going into more serious, like, true stories or more child-friendly movies like the BFG. And I think it's, like, going back to this is, like, kind of Spielberg's tone and, like, where he really excels. So I wanted to ask you what your theater experience was because I had a fairly unique one, and I feel like the audience was a little biased. So I wanted to hear your theater-going experience. Interesting. So I know you saw it really early. So um, mine mine was different than that because I, I just saw this on Sunday pretty late. So on Easter... Um, we were in a giant IMAX theater. I saw an IMAX 3D. Um, but there was probably, I, I'm going to say there was maybe 15 to 20 people in the theater. It felt like, wow. like it was like, because I think because of the time, you know what I mean? On a Sunday night, uh, you know, on Easter Sunday. And maybe, actually, you know what? I'm probably underselling that. It was that, but then I think some more people filed in during the trailers. But anyway, not a lot of people. Pretty open, pretty, pretty empty theater. Um, but there was still a good bit of like cheering and clapping and laughing. So like I could hear people reacting to it. It just wasn't this room full of people. So I imagine if that's, if that's what yours was like, it must've been quite different. Oh yeah, it was. Um, but I did want to ask you about, cause I didn't see it in IMAX. You said you saw it in IMAX 3d. Yeah. What'd you think? Cause I have heard that this is one that you got to see in IMAX. Uh, you know, I am not a huge fan of 3d. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I had had the option to see it in IMAX 2d, I would have, cause I am a fan of IMAX. I like the, the bigger screen. I like the better sound. Like many movies I see like this, I found myself a little bit annoyed by the 3d, at least at first. And then I kind of settle into it. And honestly, I kind of stopped noticing it after a while. Um, my glasses weren't great. I had a little bit of like this, like weird glare that was getting caused by it. And that was, I had to switch glasses because the first one I got had a huge scratch down one side. Another problem with 3d. I've heard some people like have their own 3d glasses. They bring to movies. so They they avoid this issue. And like, honestly, you might consider doing that because so often that's a problem for me, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I'm glad I saw it in that, in that format because visually I think it works really well. It's this kind of like, uh, 3D rendering like CGI thing that I think looks really good in that in that format. Um, I just 
am not personally someone who really loves 3D, I guess. Yeah. I uh I'm not a huge 3D guy either, but it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to bother me quite as much as, as it bothers other people. Like I will see it I will see it in 2D before I see it in 3D if possible. But yeah, I just heard that this is like definitely a movie to see in, in 3D and in IMAX. Um Yeah, if you if you're someone who likes 3D movies, like I think you're probably right. Like this is probably a great mm-hmm. one to go see like this. And while we're talking about it, uh I think we should just talk about the visuals. A little non spoiler. Let's talk about some of the visuals and, and what you thought about kind of you know how how their avatars looked and if you settled into that if you still liked it or didn't like it i mostly liked the avatars i and it was kind of a thing where they had to grow on me because honestly i was someone who wasn't very impressed with how especially like wade's character looked um parcival in the in the in the trailers but yeah i, I kind of grew accustomed to them to end up liking them the 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 look of the oasis in general was actually pretty good like i I thought it was quite compelling it didn't look like he wasn't trying to make it look like real life it had kind of a game look to it like and that was a and it didn't turn me off you know what i mean like i thought that that might not be as compelling but it, it still was and so um you see in the trailers the prominent racing scene uh i won't get into what happens in that but visually i thought it was incredible it was a lot of fun to watch like how it went down and uh, just the things he was able to pull off because of this Oasis setting, you didn't you could totally suspend disbelief about everything, right? Because it's a game. Anything can happen. So it made that race like really fun. I actually like because f- from the trailers, I wasn't really sold on how they looked, how the characters looked in yeah. the Oasis. And, and I thought that it was going to be kind of jarring for the audience. But it's funny, like after after watching it, I've gotten to the point where it's like we can we can have fully 3D like CG rendered uh, characters that I think people will latch onto and watch at this point. Like the technology has gotten there. There are times that if you try to do actual photorealistic, it's like there's that uncanny valley yeah. situation. But it's like, I, I feel like with this, they're they're taking steps to making fully, I mean, with your like Planet of the Apes, between Planet of the Apes and stuff like this, I think eventually we're going to get to the point where like entire movies are just totally mocapped like Avatar, you know? And Well, I mean, the mocapping technology is getting so amazing. There was a thing going around and our listeners can Google it probably and find it. It's um, it was a demo for technology, I think, recently put out with Andy Serkis. Have you seen this? Yeah, he's like demoing. uh, uh, He's Mm -hmm. reading. uh, uh, I think he's, he's performing a Shakespeare like monologue. Mm-hmm. And you see him with the mocap and then you see like the the thing he's portraying and it looks so good. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's really incredible. I mean, he's incredible at doing that stuff, but that just shows how far the technology has come. I think it's like, it's fully there in the next like 10 years. I think that it will become the norm to have f- full movies that take place, you know, where it's appropriate, have full movies like completely mocapped. But yeah, I I wanted to agree with you about a lot of the visuals and and I thought that it was it was really incredible that opening sequence when we first start. I'm not going to get into any spoilers, but that opening sequence, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about where we're he's describing the oasis. Yeah, that was pretty wild. It, it just like like I said before, like Spielberg's got a mind for cameras in motion and we went all around and explored everything and it was so much fun to see all that and it really made the it feel like a fleshed out open world. Um I did want to get back to my screening really quickly. I just wanted to throw out Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was yours like? So I saw a like fan pre-screening. Uh, I got two tickets. My girlfriend, Caitlin, and I went to go see it. 
we stood in line for like a couple hours before the screening and you know everybody's talking about the book in line so it's like these are like the people who have been anticipating this movie and went out of their way to get the tickets and you told every single one of them about the podcast right yeah and i was like welcome to the ink to film podcast (laughs) (laughs) to each and every one of them uh yeah no and i mean i talked to some some nice people it was it was cool we we sat down for the movie and i could tell that everybody was really excited and the references were going to be flying around. And as the movie started, the Amblin logo showed up with, you know, E.T. like mm-hmm. and Elliot on the bike flying across. Complete eruption in, in the theater. Everyone lost it. Everyone was cheering like crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And then anytime anybody saw anything that mattered to them in the movie, there was cheering going on. So we saw, <laughs> you know, I don't want to no, I don't want to throw out spoilers, but. there's like there's oh that's another thing that we aren't going to be able to touch on every single every single reference i think that oh no there's so and there's so many i didn't even see like i want to see it again just for that like this is going to be a movie that if you want to find every reference like you can like every frame there's going to be something that you miss in the theater you know i've watched i watched a couple videos where people talked about it and i read some stuff on on different like wiki pages and stuff where people said they'd listed every every reference and it's i didn't catch a tenth of the references sure. that are in the movie. It's insane. Um, so we're not going to be able to touch on all of them. I'm, we're going to talk about a lot of them. I'm sure our favorite ones. Just the but, ones we saw in our one viewing. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, so the screening that I'm in, every so everyone's cheering. And luckily enough, everybody was so excited for the movie, they would quiet down really quickly. They would just be a quick cheer whenever they right. saw whatever, quiet down so they could hear the rest of the movie. And I mean, that was nice. And and there's a couple scenes in this movie where I myself was extremely excited and yeah. uh, cheered myself. So uh, that's fun. It sounds like a fun experience. Yeah, it was cool. I'm glad that I saw it that way. But like I said before, there was a there, I'm sure there was a bit of bias in that in that crowd. And uh, sure. So I, I couldn't get a real reading on how like a general audience member felt. Well, and, and, and honestly, mine was kind of like that, just with a, as a smaller group of people. Like there was cheering, there was clapping, there was, you know, laughter, like people were reacting to the movie quite positively, I thought. Um, that's good i did want to uh mention i the reason i saw it on sunday was i was at NorwestCon in seattle and i just wanted to shout out anybody who might have found this podcast because i left like a billion flyers there uh <laughs> so thank you for checking that out if, and hopefully you uh you maybe you saw me walking around there uh my uh, yellow beanie <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah it was it was a lot of fun and hopefully uh, hopefully we got a few new listeners from it speaking of how the movie did in theaters uh, i just wanted to touch on box office really quickly because oh yeah i was curious about that domestically this movie is made uh over i think four days that it's been out over easter it's made like 60 58 to 60 million okay which is a pretty good haul for four days into into a movie it's no like you know it's no black panther it's not gonna it's not like breaking records but uh for in the foreign market so far it's it's made 127 million so those together come to about 186 million so Mm -hmm. that's that's a pretty good haul for you know worldwide for four days um i want I, I, I read somewhere that the budget was, was like 150 million or something yeah i couldn't find anything specific that said actual budget but if people okay. were projecting it like 150 to 200 including marketing so okay. it's basically made its money back in the worldwide market already and it's gonna con- li- continue to go on for a bit yeah, here so yeah. it's doing really well um for what it is number one at the box office right now so all yeah. signs point to it being a success cool couple other uh, non-spoiler things I wanted to talk about. The score was something that really struck me. And I was like, wow, this is, it's Spielberg. So I wonder if this is, this, I was like, this can't be John Williams. Like I, he always works with John Williams. Um, okay. Who famously does, you know, Star Wars and, and mm-hmm. many of the, the E.T., Jurassic Park. 
uh, many of Spielberg's famous scores. And I thought that the score in this was really, really fitting for what the film was. So I went and looked and it was Alan Silvestri. He's done things like Forrest Gump. Uh, he did oh. Back to the Future. He did The Avengers <laughs> more recently. So like he's fairly well known. Uh, and cool. I thought he did a good job with this. Hey, Back to the Future, that's a connection to the DeLorean, right? Yeah. We see in the film. Exactly. So he, I thought he did a great job with it. It was, it was very fitting and it felt really like 80s retro while also being something new and, and you know, future tech. It's funny because I remember the times in which they used like real songs. Like that's mm-hmm. what stands out most to me. It was cool. Like it was, was that a Rush song early or something like that? There was um, definitely Rush in there. There was yeah. plenty of 80s songs. All, all of the ones that I like, I, I, the ones in the trailer, you know, Jump by yeah. uh, Van Halen. Van Halen. Yeah, yeah Van Halen, yeah. Uh, it was very, very 80s, and, and the soundtrack is definitely one that I'm probably going to make sure that I have all the songs in my playlist. Yeah, I love 80s music. It's like a guilty pleasure, but I love it. <laughs> so the reason I bring up Silvestri is he wasn't the first choice to score this movie. It was going to be John Williams, but then John Williams had to work on the post. He was busy working on the post, so he couldn't get over to do Ready Player One in time. Huh. Okay. Which I thought was like interesting and worth referencing because like so much of his stuff is is like it's such a John Williams esque like there's so many references to things John Williams was involved in. Did you have any standouts among the cast among the um, the portrayals? Not just necessarily the high five, but anybody that, that you really liked their portrayals. Yeah, I really liked Olivia Cook, who was Artemis. I actually really enjoyed mm-hmm. her portrayal. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, who played the bad guy. Ben Mendelsohn is the man. Like he's he's he was Sorrento. Yeah, Sorrento. He was born to be a villain, and he's, he's so hamming it up in such a big way. And yeah, like, he was funny too, right? Like in really a, in funny. a different kind of way. Yeah. And uh, I I mean I've heard people online not liking this portrayal as much, but I have to give a shout out to Mark Rylance because him as Halliday I thought was great. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. You, people didn't like that. I thought he was really funny. I thought that he was yeah. like, he fit like a Willy Wonka-esque character for yeah. a new age. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. How about you? What, what are some standouts for you? I mean, I th- you hit on a lot of the ones I, I was going to mention. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, H in general, I thought was really mm-hmm. good. Um, I, don't, I don't know the name of the you know actor for that, but <laughs> um, she was really good. Her name's Lena Waith. Yes. Lena yeah, uh, and, and and then like you said, um, the guy who played Sorrento was just was awesome. I, I I thought the guy who played Wade was pretty good, but mm-hmm. he's kind of a cipher, so that's how the, how the character is in the novel too, though. Right. So that you can kind of put yourself in his in his shoes, I guess, is kind of the the point of that. Yeah, I thought he was good. I enjoyed him. I I thought that he he did a good job, and like I said, I I don't think that some of the because like I said, there, he didn't have that much depth to his character. Like there was so much more in the yeah. book. And I mean, that comes along with it being a two hour, two, you know, two and a half hour movie. Well, I really want to talk about all the like little specific things and, and find out what, what you missed, you know, that wasn't in there and what and what you liked that was added. Um, so I think we should get to the spoiler section if you're ready. Yeah, let's do it. So much to talk about. All right. Before we get to our spoiler talk, uh, I want to take a second and tell you about Audible. Audible is an audiobook app or website that you can use to listen to over, what, 80,000 different audiobooks. Uh, they've been nice enough to give us an affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And with that, you get 30 free days to their service and one free audiobook in their collection. This week, I thought I'd tell you about Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. 
Um, I know we're all familiar with that movie, especially if we're a Spielberg fan. I know I am. Um, but maybe some people out there don't realize it was adapted off of a novel. That's a project that I know we want to get to uh, at some point this year, maybe around the time Jurassic World 2 or whatever it's being called is coming out. The Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, that's what it is, which I had a trailer for in front of this movie, by the way. I don't know how good it looks, but regardless, <laughs> the original Jurassic Park is an amazing movie, and I'm excited to, to read that book and, and talk about it with you, and I know we'll be doing that coming up here at some point. So, um, yeah. yeah, that'll be my recommendation. Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. One of my favorite movies, period. Jurassic Park, Steven Spielberg. Really? So I'm stoked to get to that one. Yeah, so if you wanted to get that, you just use our link uh, to sign up. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And you can get that book for free um, in for, for 30 days before you pay uh, before you pay the, the, the monthly subscription fee, which I think is like 15 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I right about that? I think so. I know there's a couple different levels you can sign up for. And when you do that, you get another credit. And you get another book, which you own. It's yours. You don't have to give it back. So you can cancel at any time. And at any number of books you've purchased up to that point, you own those audiobooks and you can listen to them anytime. So, yeah, if you uh, want to help us out, use that link to sign up, uh, audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film, and it would be a huge help. Okay. So here we are in our spoiler section. So from here on out, full spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie yet, leave now. Go see it. Come back later. Or risk being spoiled if you don't care. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we're going to try to move as chronological as we can. We want to hit on everything, but, you know, we can't pause the movie in the movie theater. So there right. are things that we can't necessarily, you know, make notes on. So we open up, we get, we meet Wade. He's in Columbus, Ohio, which is a change from the book, I believe. He was in yeah, you, yeah. Oklahoma City, like you said, at the beginning of the yeah. book and then he moves to columbus afterwards so the, the stacks yeah. are, are in columbus in the movie and right off the bat we get this cool shot of uh wade leaving his leaving the stacks and coming down and it's this like tracking following shot of him like jumping down a level and going through people's cars and all this stuff and it, i thought it was really cool uh and there's narration going on during it and i did want to say something about this movie that i felt like would have made it a little more it would have put it more on the the audience to put the pieces together and really under, connect with what was going on. There's a lot of, uh, especially in the beginning, there's a lot of narration and VO voiceover that goes on where he's mm-hmm. telling you what's going on. He's like, this is what's happening. This is how it is. Whereas I felt like when he was leaving the stack, you could you could see that there were people who were living their dreams through the Oasis in their, in their rooms and stuff as he was leaving. And I thought that he, it was almost better left on set had he just like shown that and had it, had us have to, you know, put the clues together and figure out what this was. And then once we go into the Oasis, we see, oh my God, you can be anything. I, I think um, this book, one of the reasons it worked so it worked so well is because it was very accessible, which we talked about a lot in, in mm-hmm. our coverage. And I, it seems to me like that's an appeal to that. Like this movie is designed to be very accessible and not to make, like you don't want, it, they're, they're not going to present you with challenging sci-fi concepts. You know what I mean? That you mm-hmm. have to try and wrap your head around. It's more like, there's a, I mean, it's a big info dump at the beginning, right? But it's so that they can just get to the story. And in, in general, that was my reaction to the beginning in general. It was, it felt rushed to me and not like in a bad way, not in a critical way, but in the sense that I had just read this book where almost half of the novel is beginning. Like it's, it's like, or at least a third of it is very much like him on Ludus, him um, not being 
um, not being the guy who's won the first gate, all that stuff, right? And that, like, the first gate, I felt like like he was done with it, like, so fast. I, it, it was, I don't know, it went really quickly to me, but I guess, I mean, it's our two-and-a-half-hour movie, so you have to move, right? Right, yeah. They, they definitely got into it very quickly. Um, we see Wade going into the Oasis for the first time. You know, yeah. he's leaving his world behind, his world that he doesn't really connect with or, or like. He leaves it and goes into this Oasis that we've talked so much about. Uh, you can do anything, be anything. It's this virtual world. And right. like I said before, that opening shot when we first get in the Oasis is so technically impressive. Like just like yeah, it was cool. movement and, and it was a good like, way to show show it off. It was almost like an ad ad for it or something. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it makes it makes sense for this for this movie. Uh, we talked about there being two. You, you said like Monty Python was like a line for you. It was like almost too much in the book. <laughs> in, well, did you in the book? It? Yeah, yeah. In the That's book, a bit yeah. of a book spoiler, but yeah. Oh, I, we won't tell you how there's there's a reference to Monty Python. I don't know how much people care about book spoilers, but yeah. Anyway. So there is that is yeah that there's something that happens with Monty Python, and you felt like that was that was like very yeah. like close. That was to one being of the few overkill. times where I was like, this is just too much for me. Almost. Did you yeah. did you feel overkill in the movie? Because early on there were a couple of things that started hitting me right away where I was like, I had to like settle into this is going to be even more in your face and almost product placement feeling it wasn't right. like at the end of the day they were references to two video games but there was a lot of references to video games that are very popular right now for the fact for the right. sheer fact that they are popular right now um and that is fun for people who connect to that but people you know we right off the bat we see minecraft like very very yeah. prominently and i was like that's cool and like people who play minecraft a lot are gonna be really interested in that but that felt like borderline like right there where i was like whoa uh that's almost too much for me but i settled into it and i think the rest of the movie does a good job of of not being as in your face as that opening scene because we had batman we had like they were like all of the things in that opening thing yeah i guess i don't know like it, it didn't really hit me that way i think um i think my problem with monty python in the book was a lot with the how it played out in the novel and the pacing issue i thought it kind of introduced Mm -hmm. um whereas these references were most of the ones you're talking about they kind of breeze by him pretty fast and it's just kind of like oh look at this cool thing look at this cool thing and it's over Mm -hmm. and that's fine with me it's almost like a i'm i'm thinking of like lego batman a little bit like you know what i mean like it's just like you see something and you kind of laugh like oh look at that's a cool thing and then it's and then it's on to some on to the next thing it definitely reminded me a lot of that um and I liked Lego Batman. It was one of those things where I'm just nitpicking as far as as far as <laughs> yeah. it was just one where I was like, wow, that was that's a very, very specific reference to make towards a specific audience. And it felt but I guess that's what the whole movie is. So I should shut up. Yeah. and we should continue. Yeah, that's the movie, man. <laughs> um, so okay. uh, so so he when he goes in the first time and he's going to the race, right? Like to, to compete in this challenge that right. Halliday has set up. Mm-hmm. So what was your like, I, I already said earlier that I thought it was really visually exciting and interesting to watch it play out. What was your what was your reaction to that to that initial holy shit race kind of thing? So I thought I could, felt like I could feel what they were trying to do. They were like, let's the so the first the first. The, uh, OK, so these are going to be deviations. All of the clues, we should say, uh, throughout all of the keys and the challenges for the keys are different than they were in the book. Yes. So this one was a very, I felt like, in my opinion, was a way to be like, we got to do something very visually interesting that can right. be in the trailers that we can get people hooked in right away. 
And yeah. so they did a, a car chase, which is, I mean, Spielberg can do a car chase. Like he knows how to do a car chase. It was, right. it was like I said before, legible. You could understand where people were in space, what was going on. Um, which is tough because there was a lot going on in, the, exactly. in those scenes. People flying around all over the place, crashing into stuff. Uh, and it felt like a video game. It felt like a track from a racing video game. One of those hectic racing games where like yeah. looping traps, tra- traps and tracks all over the place. And I liked how um, the characters at the heart of it were still like really calm, even though it was like crazy chaos going on. Because it mm-hmm. just reminds me of how like gamers are when they play stuff like that, right? Like you don't get, like you're like intense and you're into it, but you're not like freaking out like you would be in real life because you're like worried about dying. You know what I mean? Like you can just kind of like shut it out and be kind of calm in the midst of all that chaos. I thought that is cool. That's cool to think about. And we kind of get, um, so as they're going through the race, we see, you know, the T-Rex that may or may not be from Jurassic Park. King <laughs> I Kong. think we're safe to say it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the DeLorean with all the upgrades uh, and everything. Uh, and Akira bike. For, the Akira bike was and, awesome. And Artemis. That and was I, cool. didn't, I didn't realize in the trailers that it was from Akira. Until I saw oh, you it, didn't? no, I didn't. Okay. Until I saw it in the movie, did I realize, oh shit, that's the the bike from Akira, which was cool. And then uh, Bigfoot. I was never big into like monster trucks or anything, but even I know what oh, Bigfoot, yeah. the big truck that that uh, H was driving, is. Like I saw it, and I was like, I didn't realize that that was something specific. I thought it was just like a giant. Yeah, I was thinking of like Carmageddon and like games like that too, because it had like saws on it and like all this like like it was this big just like vehicle chewer kind of vehicle, which I thought was was cool. Caitlin's going to be really excited that you made that reference because after we left, I was talking to her about that scene and she was like, uh, she was like, I wonder if Luke is going to remember Carmageddon and all the stuff. And like, that's what I reminded her of. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, did you ever, you never played those games? I never played that one, but I played things like Twisted Metal and like some of those other like car racing, crashing, like death trap games. Yeah. It was, I mean, Carmageddon is like you're racing, but like, um, you can kill your opponents. You can like destroy their cars and win that way too. Mm-hmm. And there's like, you have like missiles on it and like, you know, yeah, saws and all this different stuff. So yeah. Yeah. References galore. The Thundercats belt, the, that, that, that Parcival wears and, and every, just catch that references <laughs> everywhere, man. There's going to be too many. I just, like I don't I even said, think I want to, I'm going to want to pause and look at the freaking screens and, and see. Um, I didn't notice now. Did you see any um, Ghostbuster logos on the side of the, side of the um delorean because i didn't and i'm wondering if that was one maybe they didn't get permission to do i can't remember i felt like it was there but maybe may not have been i think i think it was still ecto 88 maybe on the on the license plate but i i I didn't remember seeing the actual logos but maybe but i mean you know references everywhere moving on from this there was king kong in the race and he was what nobody could ever get past and he would kill people at the very end of the race and catch them and kill them and uh this is where Parzival, like sees Artemis and they kind of talk about her backstory in the book where she's like a vlogger and famous mm-hmm. and he has like a crush on her and follows her and stuff. They finish the race and, and he, he saves her at the end like she's about to go for it and she would have yeah. her avatar would have died because King Kong would have killed her. Then he like kind of does some searching for trying to figure out the clue because there's there's a clue that they're trying to figure out somebody solved some part of it and they're trying to figure out how to beat this race. I think in here something happens with the real world though, right? He comes out, yeah. He gets a message from Sorrento. It kind of plays out similarly to what happens in in the book. Uh, Sorrento basically says like, "Come work for us," and he's like, "I'm not going to work for you." And basically says like, "Give me your job," and all of that stuff plays out basically the same. 
very similar. I, I did want to say I really liked the design of the IOI like headquarters mm-hmm. and all of, like at when I first saw the trailer, I thought it looked a little hokey, like all these guys like getting in their like identical chairs to like do this race and everything in virtual. But I, I, in the movie, like I really won me over because I really liked the effect where like the chair would turn red and they'd fall over when they died. Yeah. And so they'd always cut, like, you'd see a bunch of them die in the Oasis, and then you'd have a quick cut to, like, five of them in a circle, whatever, <laughs> like, going red and, like, all this stuff. Like, I always thought that was a cool representation of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. That was cool. And, like, that's Spielberg. I feel like he knows, like, the, uh, he knows what you're, what you're wanting. So if somebody dies, yeah. he's like, he's like, okay, so let's show the reaction to that. He's, I feel like that's just him all over. So, I mean, I, we're blowing through this, but... He yeah. he eventually gets he goes to like this uh, database where he's able to see a lot of Halliday's like memories and things, and he's watching a playback of Halliday and Og Ogden Morrow Ogden Morrow, and mm-hmm. they are talking about the company and and like their relationship and and why Og is leaving and all that stuff and basically he just says something about to to the middle distance he just says like if only we went backwards i love going backwards something like that and yeah parzival, the metal or whatever yeah, yeah parzival realizes that this is a clue to to drive backwards in the in the race yeah goes back to the race uh start of the race artemis is there h is there and he everybody starts takes off and he goes in reverse finds this like secret portal and is driving like in the code underneath the race the whole time yeah that looked really cool actually i, I, I liked that and, like you could see each like thing getting loaded up into the game the t-rex was like um, getting lifted up yeah there's yeah. a moment where like kong was like jumped and like was on top like right above him like screaming down at him there's a there's a series of youtube videos on this guy's channel um i, I don't remember the exact name of it but if you search for i think it's called like boundary break something like that on video games. Mm-hmm. And this guy literally, um, I don't know how he does it, but he has some sort of software where he can go in and he can go anywhere in any game like that he like does. Mm-hmm. And so like he'll do Last of Us and he'll go behind the door that you can't go behind. He'll go outside the window and down and like look at the building from the outside that you can't look at from inside the game. It's because he's looking for the programmer's names, right? He's looking for the hidden well, programmer names. Yeah, it, well, and, and, and just like to see what it looks like. And, yeah. and like some of it's like underwhelming. But um, one of the things that I liked is that often you see like if, if there's like a big thing that's going to show up, it'll be preloaded into the to the level. And it'll normally be sitting in like a like behind a door or something, just like sitting there behind. You know what I mean? Getting waited into waiting until it gets called up and then it runs in. I mean, you don't realize that. And so that reminded me of this scene, or this scene reminded me of that, where you saw you know the T Rex get loaded up from this from this stuff because like that's actually a way that video game designers work, where they have the the things were already there and then they just walk in mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because they're like, it's easier for it to process it over time rather than yeah. just appear. So it's like processed and ready to come in and it just comes yeah. through the floor and through a door. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's basically what he was in. He was hacked the game yeah. and was underneath and, and did the race backwards yep. and, and it made called, it. I think it's called Boundary Break if anybody wants to look that up. So he wins the first key and uh, he gets it, becomes famous and rich, uh, just like the book. Yeah. He tells Artemis and H how to do it and they they soon do it after Daito and, Sh- and Sho, not Shoto. Shoto was in the book and Sho yeah. is in, in the uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. He They all do it eventually and they all have money and, and are famous now. They're the high five. They, um, they're already friends with Daito and Sho. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're like, H, like H knows them or something. I think they're all friends, like kind of at least. They all know each other. Right. Um, and 
so they have this pre-existing relationship there's more it seems like the the idea that they're helping each other is like that's fine in this in the movie whereas in the book it was like that was a big taboo right like all the solos were really against helping each other mm-hmm. um and i wanted to say in general that's something that gets lost a little bit in translation i think for this movie and that's the how important the contest was for the characters in the book um it just feels less important i think maybe that's just a a, a factor of time um but you know the build up to the first gate actually being complete is so huge like it's so it's such a big moment when wade um completes that in the book and it felt a little bit underwhelming in the movie by comparison Mm -hmm. even though it was cool like i didn't feel the frustration and the fact that five years has gone by like i don't know how clear that was but five years have gone by of people trying this race and not being able to beat it and i i don't know if i felt that like it felt like it was something that was like a year later or, or just a few months later almost yeah yeah i agree there wasn't much of that there was like a little montage scene where they talked about how people were really invested in it at first and then people stopped trying as much speaking yeah. of the montage that scene was hilarious where you had like you know the mom who was like playing and the the kid was like i'm hungry and she's like get your dad to to help you or whatever and she gets killed we should jump back to that scene actually there is a scene in the beginning when they're in the Oasis. Um, Parzival goes to meet H on this planet. I think it's Planet Doom. And uh-huh. they're all fighting some sort of like creatures and everybody's killing everybody. Shoto and, or sorry, Sho and Daito are there. Um, mm-hmm. They're all references galore. Freddy and Jason are there um, I, that I noticed. The, the Space Marine from StarCraft? Space Marine from StarCraft. I think I, you, see, you see everything from StarCraft. I think there's a Zerg and a Protoss. It was that that was a cool scene, and that was like our introduction to what battles and everything were like. And we, that's when we met Sh- mm-hmm. Daito and Sho. And uh, the scene we're getting—you said you were talking about before—the reaction of people dying and then co- being like in the real world and taking their stuff yeah. off and being frustrated. There's a little girl who dies, who like dies at one point and just like rips her mask off and just screams. And yeah. like just seeing everybody's different reaction, I think funny. like um, the businessman in like Japan or whatever tries to jump out the window and gets yeah, tackled. that was wild. That was crazy. Like throws his computer and like run, just like charges the window somebody stops him at the last second yeah and also during that conversation earlier with with uh sorrento he ends up blowing up the stacks just like he did in the book so his aunt and her abusive boyfriend are there and they get blown up which by the way um i think they leaned heavily into the abusive boyfriend being a huge asshole and the aunt was a little bit more sympathetic yeah. um which makes her death mean more i think for for wade than it does in the in the book where where she was pretty terrible as well so yeah now that we've touched on all that jump back forward they have the keys and uh parzival goes on a shopping spree and he buys like the holy hand grenade and he buys himself like a new funny i I was so i mean to fast forward a little bit to when he uses it i was frustrated that he didn't make some sort of like (sighs) how could it not have how could you not it blew up to three yeah, exactly. I thought for sure he was going to be like, you know, one, two, five or whatever. In, How could they not yeah. have done the reference? I thought it was such a waste. They threw it and it was just a normal grenade. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little spoiler for later. But he buys a new haptic suit. <laughs> We're in spoiler territory. What are you going to do? Yeah. Haptic suit is purchased for the real world. It's like sent to mm-hmm. him. He buys it. And around this time, they go to the dance soon after that. Hey, right? So real quick, um, a recurring segment that we haven't done since Altered Carbon 
would you do it? <laughs> would you do it? <laughs> would you would you do it? Um yeah, I want to know like um if this if the Oasis was real and you could buy this like crazy suit that you could wear over your entire body and and all this stuff like would you do it? I mean, would you invest like say it's like a few hundred dollars? Would you invest in that? Would that would that be worth it to you? Would you spend a bunch of hours in there? Or would you try and avoid it like the plague? No, I would definitely do it. Um I thought you were going <laughs> to ask me would I try it? Like would I like I understand what you're saying now like would the cost outweigh like what well, it would and some be. people are just really against like the idea of living a second life virtually and all that stuff but you're you're saying you're not like you'd totally be down to, to, yeah, to do, do it, it. <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> i don't think that i would do I, I would i would i think i would try to be more balanced than some of these other people that right. we get in the book and in the movie but i mean i would do it man and i would love every second of it because i love video games <laughs> yeah we're both gamers man so yeah we're we're the sort that would do it um, one of these days we'll have a would you do it segment where we'll disagree, but that's not for this yeah. one. <laughs> would, uh, we, I'm sure, dude, come on. We have a couple of good ones coming up where I'm sure we'll, we might disagree. So yeah, they go to this dance and it plays out differently than, oh, yeah. than it does we in get the book. No, we, we get no aug here, um, but it was cool still. Um, you know, uh, Artemis is, is a little more flirty, I think, in the, in the um, movie than she was in the, in the in the book like it was more just kind of parzival chasing after her she's like pretty flirty here which makes it more um, believable that that yeah. you know what i mean it's not like him just chasing her and and being creepy. right so it's both so it was more sides. mutual i was gonna say like i think i think that was good in general i mean we can talk about it i think her character was improved mm-hmm. well they gave her stuff to do you know she was given so much more to do and that's so key and she was basically given, I mean, we'll get to it later, but she was given Wade's whole plot about going to IOI and being abducted. And then she also was like part of the rebellion and and all this stuff. I'm skipping ahead, I know, but she had this like social mind too, where she wanted to improve the world. And like, that was the same as the book, but she had already taken all these steps, you know, and she like was already kind of a freedom fighter, like in mm-hmm. her own right, which was cool. Yeah. And she had a, she had something to fight for because of her dad's backstory backstory of how her dad was like one of the enslaved and and forced to work and all of that which was cool it gave her motivation and and you know she had something something to work for oh uh, a line that got uh, like uproarious laughter in my theater was the uh when sorrento is talking about the screen and he's like we've determined we can have 80 percent covered in ads before it induces seizures and like everybody just started laughing (laughs) that is that was a factual real meeting that has happened i'm sure (laughs) <laughs> that's what's coming for us man we gotta be care- we gotta make sure we fight for our we fight for our free screens yeah that was hilarious it was so funny <laughs> he was like showing it and it's like you can't see any of it <laughs> you can't see anything yeah so uh let me let me touch on a couple of things that i think were around that got laughs in my theater the when he becomes famous uh people start to crowd around him and then yeah. artemis shows up in a in a suit where uh, she's where she's yeah. not goro uh, yeah she shows up and pulls him to the side and is like, you have to wear a, you have to wear a disguise. And then like pulls him into this like side room and then does the chest. Well, you chest- don't know it's her at first. Right. We yeah. don't know it's her. And then the chest burster from Alien happens and, and so like. So good. It, oh my God. So funny. That got so a big cool. laugh for, for in ours too. That was really fun. And the way it looked like in the fact that it ended up being like a hand puppet was really funny. So like that good. was a great design. Mm-hmm. So that was amazing. Uh, there's other references to Alien, which hu- I'm a huge fan of Alien uh, yeah. and Aliens, the, the first two. And yeah. I, I was really excited to see those in there. Um, and we're getting to 
the thing that I lost my fucking mind over. <laughs> uh-huh. So, but let's let's finish up this dance. So they're at the dance. Uh, tons yeah. of references. I think I saw like Harley Quinn in there. So I want, just remembered uh, T.J. Miller as Irock. Irock. We haven't talked about yet. Yeah. And and I thought he was really good. I thought he was funny. I thought he was like, it was clear he was a villain, but in the sense that it was like he had sold his soul mm-hmm. to like get better gear and to make money and stuff but he was this like he was actually very powerful too and i, I liked that like he, so he's very different than the i rock from the book for sure mm-hmm. but a good like a change that really worked for the movie i thought yeah i liked it he wasn't like a personal friend of them or really knew them or anything no. but he was like yeah he was there at the dance like watching them and he was really funny there's one specific line his, his conversations with sorrento were always hilarious very I funny and then neck he keeps talking about how yeah. his neck is all messed up yeah, and like Sorrento doesn't care at all. Yeah, and it's really funny. <laughs> what did you think of Sorrento's avatar? Big, big, bulky. Dude. It was it was funny. He was like a big Uber businessman, which is so perfect for him. Yeah. Which in the I think in the book he looks identical to every other um, IOI avatar. So that was kind of an interesting little change. But I liked it because it was more he he's more of a character in the movie than he mm-hmm. is in the book. Yeah, he's much more intimidating in the book. And you feel like he's got like a lot of the power. And in this, he's like relying on um, Hannah. What's her name? Hannah John Kamen. She was good. I, I thought she was good. I mean, we didn't know much about her character. She was just kind of the muscle, mm-hmm. um, like the killer. Um, but I thought she was intense and I liked her energy and how she was like, she seemed legitimately scary in a way that Sorrento was more funny. She was very, you know? she was like the, probably the most over the top of the characters. Like she was very, very the bad murderous but yeah, it, it, but it made sense guy. and it worked the bad guy and then sorrento was yeah. just like you could see like him just like he was almost like a kid whose dad didn't you know didn't care about him and in uh he was like never acknowledged by halliday so he yeah. was like he kind of has this like thing against the oasis at this point so the attack at the dance happens there's a fight uh artemis and parzival kind of do this little breakup thing and she she leaves did you miss having Ogden Morrow kind of wreck havoc? Yeah. Or, or were you okay with that change? I mean, I was fine with it not being in there, but it would have been cool to see him. And yeah. uh, I felt like I wish I had seen a little more Og in this movie. Ogden Morrow, yeah. like he was he was not in it very much. But when he was, it was fun. Well, and yeah. I like Simon Pegg, so it's fun to see him. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder if he mo-capped the stuff. I mean, we're in spoiler section now, but he's revealed to be the curator later. Right. And I wonder if he, so like maybe we saw more of him than we re- realized. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the end I was like, well, finally we get some Simon Pegg other than just a couple of memories like that. We hadn't seen much of him. Yeah. The, uh, something we should mention just for people who are following our retelling of the story, which you should see the movie. So before you hear us explain it all to you, but, uh, when yeah. he first gets the clue to drive backwards, he made a bet or something like that or no it was it was now actually during the for the dance we found out that that Halliday like had a date with Kira and he yep. didn't didn't want to go dance with her or something like that and he was scared to dance with her which leads us from the dance to uh my favorite scene in the movie <laughs> so Caitlin told me she, she we watched the movie uh, in the theater and then right after she she listened to the episode our episode our last episode and she mm-hmm. she was like you, you realize that you guys called the shining thing right and i was like <laughs> I was yeah like, wait did we you really did. you yeah. did dude i'm not gonna take credit for that and i was like i was like did i really i was like i remember saying something about the shining but i didn't yeah. remember saying you like, you 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 said the hedge mage hedge 
maze. I have trouble saying those two words together. Um, at the end, uh, reminded you of The Shining. You thought it was going to be a Shining reference. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't in the book, but you totally got it. Totally got it here, man. <laughs> the Shining. So, yeah, so cool. Uh, we... The creator that hates his own creation and all that right. stuff. The right. The creator that hates his own creation, the curator pulls that that up or something like that for them and finds all these different files and they reach out and take The Shining. And I was like, no way is this happening right now. <laughs> and this is like, you talk about like everybody cheering. Like I was cheering for sure during this part. Yeah. Uh, we go in and there's a graininess to the film in this part that I, okay. I don't know whether or not this is true, but I'm convinced that like they used footage from The Shining and just like put their CG characters in that fo- some of the some of the I shots. I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. And th- this is so interesting because Spielberg and, and Kubrick are connected in from AI because AI was going to be a Kubrick film uh, and he passed away before getting it made and and really? Spielberg picked it up, directed it and then put it out. And I mean wow. Spielberg always has talked about how he's he you know, he looked at, I think every filmmaker looks up to Kubrick and he's incredible. And just to have The Shining in this movie adds so much to it. This it was yeah. funny. I was losing is, it over the references. Yeah. I mean, we'll, I'll, we'll go ahead and say, like, that's very high on our list of, of projects we want to do. Um, we will absolutely. That's what we think, you know, when we, we, we started with It by Stephen King. So we, we have we have done an It title or a Stephen King title. And that's what we want to return to, I think, eventually. Um, well, I mean, we'll definitely do it. But I think that's going to be our next Stephen King title. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and to explain the scene. Unbelievable, man. We are we they walk down the steps in the Overlook Hotel and they're looking at, wasn't it like uh, some sort of projection of the pages that said, yeah. I'll work in no play. Like timers. Yeah, some yeah. sort of timer. The pages Looks flipping like a by was a, was a timer and uh, mm-hmm. tennis ball rolls up and hits H on the leg. And H has never seen the movie and she's like, is it scary? <laughs> and like, that was so funny. Like everybody in my theater was already laughing about that. Oh yeah. Tennis um, ball rolls into the hallway. In the hallway, we get the twins and the elevator. Yep. Elevator opens up. Just every reference, man. It was so yeah, fun. The woman in the woman in two thirty seven. Yeah, and how cool was it when when it like twist became like a distorted version of The Shining, where yeah. like the axe is like swinging and in, into into the maze, the hedge maze in the snow, and yeah. God, it was cool. And and, and and it I immediately was like, oh, of course. And that's something I can't believe we didn't talk about with the whole um, because in the book they play through movies sometimes as as the main character you have to like out you have to play it out and we didn't really talk about like doing that in a horror movie Mm -hmm. and how frightening that would be now you know you'd have to in the book you had to stay very true to like what happens in the movie but just the idea of like playing through a movie like the shining as a character in it it's like it's really terrifying and like it's really fun and then um i mean we when when it cuts to at the end of this scene when it cuts back to Sorrento and they're giving, they're telling him that like, we're all, all, you know, they're doing the shining challenge or whatever now. And it pans over to the room and everyone is like freaking Freaking out out, and like on the ground, people are crying and screaming and thrashing. That might've been the biggest laugh in my entire theater, like in the entire movie. People freaking loved that. And I loved it too. Like it, and like as Stephen King has to be like that, I mean like that alone is, is, is worth saying yes to any of these references right like absolutely like yeah you know that his that his thing is just that terrifying and that that big a part of the zeitgeist that everyone like respects i guess mm-hmm. man i i t- i 
kid you not, like I was legitimately cheering and it was worth the price of admission just for that. If nothing else yeah. happened in this movie, if the rest of the screen, if it was black for like an hour and then this scene happened and then it was black <laughs> for the rest of the movie, I would have been happy with this yeah. movie. Like I would have been like, okay, that was fun. I'm glad that that scene exists. Um, so much fun. So we're, we, we've lost a little bit of the outside world stuff, but I think at this point they've already met up and they've gotten in the, in, like I think they got in the car because we already know that Daito is 11, right? Shota. At this point. In show. This show. Show. Sorry. Right. The show is 11 and we already know that, right? Right. So I love that. There's kid. some stuff like that that's been revealed. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to tell a story real quick. Um, you might know some of this, but for our, for our listeners, um, when I was a young teenager lad, um, I was a part of a video game clan um, in a game called SOCOM back in the day. And what, ma- what made me think of it is that we it was a clan of like I was pretty young I was probably like 14 15 16 something like that um and then a lot of the people in the clan were older like some of them even adults but the best player in our entire clan our secret weapon who we towed out in any clan battle we had was my little brother Ben who was 12 years old and he kicked everyone's ass he was the best at the game and this made me think of that so much. Like I was like, "Oh my god, it's 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 his clan. Ta- his uh, name, his gamer tag is is Dreadlord." So I was like, "Oh my god, it's Dreadlord." And, and so I immediately made that connection, and, and I thought that was really fun. And and in general, like I liked that gamer, like the gamer community, and the the like kind of knowing people, but like, like bonding over video games and taking on a and taking on something together, and that that friendship, I think came across well in this movie. Yeah. I agree with you. The The stuff in the real world, I felt um, there wasn't much of it. And I think it would have been cool to see a little more of it, like more because it just felt like we were supposed to be like, OK, bad place and let's go into the Oasis and we understand. And I mean, I get that, you know, there's a movie that you have to you have to get through, uh, but it just felt like there wasn't much there except for when the characters were all together and it was fun to have them together because it was this like, like I said before, it was like this group of Goonies who are coming together to to you know go against this force of evil and um daito and show were awesome all of them together was so much fun h was cool uh and having them in the real world um there's a scene at the end with the truck we'll we'll get there in a second but there's a scene at the end with the truck where everything comes together and they're all working together kind of and i felt like that was a lot of fun and and it just worked the characters worked together uh I just wish that there was a little bit more to each of them. But, so, you know, so what while are you we're on do? the subject of, of, of Daito and Sho, they were pretty different than they were in the book. And what happens to them is also quite different. And, and um, you know, a, a spoiler for the book, uh, one of them dies. And that does not happen in this movie. Um, in, in our book coverage, you said that that was something that really resonated with you. That was like the emotional core for the novel for you when that happened. Um, so what did you think of them not including it here? Um, do you think this movie was missing it or did you think, you know, it was a different sort of story? I think the, the latter, I think it was a different sort of story. I think it was a Spielberg movie. I think that they could have toyed with, with killing him off or having him something like that. But ultimately like, you're not going to have one of the main kids die. Um, I think that you put that in a movie and you have him die. You, you immediately add more 
of a drive to all of the characters, more of a a sense of urgency to their to their cause. Danger, right? Yeah. Danger. I I think, but that, it change it tonally. It shifts it though, right? right. A little it bit. Turns it. It's dark. It's a dark way. They yeah. kill him. They kill a child. So, it's it's just not really in line with what I think Spielberg wanted to do. Yeah, it's weird because I was talking to my wife about it afterwards, and I was saying it's something I really liked in the book, and I think it works. I think it works really well mm-hmm. um, in 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 the book, but I didn't really feel like the movie needed it. Yeah. And usually, I feel like I'm the kind of person who I'm like, yeah, kill off one of the characters, let us know the stakes are real. Um, but I, this movie wasn't like that. It was it was lighter than that. It was m- more. I guess family friendly in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, ultimately I, I was okay with it. Yeah, I was okay with it as well. So we have yeah. successfully retrieved the Jade key, Jade the second key. key. Yeah, and from here, Which Artemis Artemis gets first. Right, Artemis yeah. gets it first. There's a there's a dancing situation where Kira is like there's like a version of Kira in the Oasis that you have to dance mm-hmm. with, and then you get the key because Halliday never danced with her. So it was like his one regret, mm-hmm. and that was him. His way of dealing with it was putting it in the game as one of the the keys. So next up, we get the characters in the real world. Like you said before, they are together now, and um, they in a van, and they're trying to rescue Artemis, who's been kidnapped. Right. I, just to jump I back, forget Artemis, exactly when yeah. that happens, but she gets, she gets, she like gives herself up so that Wade can escape. Right. So she she's and kidnapped she and taken to IOI headquarters, which is where Wade mm-hmm. was when he hacked in their system and set up his whole master plan. Uh, she is now in there. They help her kind of regain some of her autonomy, I guess. Some, so she's able to take off the things that are restricting her. For her, yeah. what's scary as hell is the 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 goggles and stuff in the, in the, in the movie. You can't take them off your head if you're she one of their can't employees. Take them off. Yeah, which is real scary. Like that, I would get claustrophobic. I would freak out. Yeah, to for not sure. be able to take. She that has off. kind of a moment where she's like freaking out about it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally got that. I think it's this is what happens here. But like they have this gambit where they fool Sorrento into thinking that he's logged out, um, which was interesting because I didn't feel like up to that point we'd established that the Oasis looked so good that it was ind- indistinguishable from real from real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was willing to buy that it was, I guess. But this is like the true testament to that. Like he literally doesn't know. Um, what did you think of that whole scene? I thought I mean I thought it was interesting, but what, I thought what it was think? interesting. I thought it was cool that and like that they were able to find a way to have everything come together that was different than the book but yeah it's a little unbelievable as far as the software like if it was going to be exactly real life i mean i guess i i didn't have a problem with it in the moment i felt i bought into it and i thought it was kind of funny when he they were like holding him at gunpoint and then he realized and took it off and i actually felt like there were some stakes to that once he figured it out and we had um artemis out in in the lobby like logged into the oasis as one of their employees yeah. and he's like going around looking for um after yeah. he gets out of that so that moment was very tense a lot of stakes in that moment but basically, I guess just to just to kind of get us all all of our ducks in a row for this scene, they are in a truck on the move because IOI is trying to find them. They're all logged in remotely. They're all in there and they're gearing up for this final battle on yep. Planet Doom again. Planet Doom. And they're uh, Percival sends out the message just like he did in the book. He sends out the message in order to rally everyone in the Oasis to come to this fight. Um, Artemis is logging in and and uh, she. 
she was like ha- she was forced to log in as an employee and they were like m- like building something they were like moving bombs in order to to do stuff and the shield had been put up by by Iraq and and Sorrento yep. around the castle so the orb similar. of Azuvax <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was funny and he's like he's like telling him don't say that again <laughs> he's like you don't know how to you don't know how to do a spell and like it's it's very yeah. easy and he like pulls out like a little cheat sheet thing to say the spell <laughs> so we're yeah. gearing up for this big battle um Artemis gives them some information that they need in order to get through the barrier right yep to get through the barrier and that the, what the final challenge is they're playing adventure you have to play adventure right. in the oasis i i mean i don't know if we've made this clear enough but i like i want to say that like reading the book like if you want if you see this movie and you're like man i wish i had more of this like i want more references i want more details i want to know how this like i want to know how everything works go read the book because <laughs> Almost every reference is different. Almost everything that happens is different and and cool in a different way. Um, I, something else I didn't talk about early that I wanted to mention. There's way less D and D stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna mention that it was almost like a generation jump down. It was like they went from the the it was still 80s reference stuff, a lot of 80s stuff in there, but it was almost like a shift down to like more 90s, 90s almost, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I felt, I mean that's that's more my era so i loved a lot of the stuff that they had in there but it did feel like um in in the original in the book we were we had a lot of like the references that would be referenced by somebody who was like pure 80s making an 80s game because in this we had a lot of you know just 90s stuff and even like newer stuff like you have your overwatch characters and halo and all that kind of stuff so that's definitely not for somebody who was playing video games in the 80s necessarily well and that makes sense because the people who are often those characters are themselves not telling the story of the eighties. They are, that's their avatars. You know what I mean? That was often what it was. So like they could choose anything they want. They're not beholden to any one decade. Right. Um, also, so we're getting to this final battle here. There was a lot, this was a lot less vertical and it was a lot more grounded. Everybody was running around just as their avatars on foot. Mostly there was a little bit of vehicles. People drive, you know, he drives around in his, in his, um, DeLorean, but there wasn't a lot of like airships and space battles and stuff like spaceships flying around like there was in the book. So that was quite different. Yeah, that was different as far as like logistically how the battle went down. But things that weren't yeah. different. Mechagodzilla showed Mechagodzilla. up. Mechagodzilla. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I liked that. The and then we we get Mechagodzilla. He's wrecking people and he's killing his own guys. Like you were talking about the IOI guys. He's stepping on them and you'll see whole spots of people on the ground on the grounds of the IOI de- building. Where, where it'll be white around the outside and then red on the inside where all the people just died. Yeah, before, before you get that, it's fucking Chucky. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, that was funny. Oh my God, that was so funny. And that got a big laugh. And then just like, I love the like string of deaths that gets shown in that, speaking of that. Yes. Like when he throws it out there and like Chucky's just wreaking havoc. So funny. Um, people are freaking out. That was funny. Chucky is such a, like I, so when I was a kid, I found Chucky extremely scary and I watched Chucky now and it's really not that scary. But the fear that people yeah. still have for that character, like I still am like, oh shit, Chucky's like pretty scary, even though I know, you know what I mean? Those those yeah. movies aren't quite as scary as they used to be. Well, um, and he was like a little fucking demon. dervish too, exactly. whirling dervish. Yeah. <laughs> he was like just stabbing everybody in the face. And that was our one our one F-bomb we get too for the PG-13 oh, yeah, movie, yeah. right? Well, we got a middle finger <laughs> yep. too. We got a middle finger, which was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, okay, let's throw out some references that we remember from the final battle. I'm just going to rattle some off. I saw Battletoads. I saw... Battletoads. Um, I saw it too. 
I saw Laura Croft in there. I saw, I mean, obviously the DeLorean as he's flying around in the DeLorean, he keeps pulling out like guns. He had like the rocket launcher from Halo, I think. He had like... Um, oh, he had a rail gun, which a I think gun. is like a GoldenEye reference maybe. Yeah, speaking of GoldenEye or, reference. Or uh, Perfect Dark or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, Perfect Dark. If that's was so what it was. Fun, man. Uh, speaking of GoldenEye, it was, it was Halliday's favorite, favorite game in this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's more 90s. Like, that's not a guy who, like, yeah. that's not an somebody from the 80s favorite yeah. video game. That's a 90s thing. So, I mean, I love GoldenEye, one of my favorite, yeah. you know, early shooters. It was funny how, um, speaking of that, The Shining was uh, his 11th favorite horror film. I thought that was kind of random. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot in front <laughs> of me. I was like, all Shining. right, all right, give me 10 horror films that are better than The Shining. I know. You know? <laughs> Shining, no doubt, makes, like, top top 10, def- maybe even top 5. It was interesting because it was very deliberately, like, outside the top 10, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting. I don't know what they were trying to say about that, with that. Well, let's call bullshit, dude. Let's see who they had, what they had ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, tell me some things you remember from the final battle references that you that God, you saw. You, caught, you called a lot of them out. I'm going to jump to one of the huge ones. Uh, well, first off, Iron Giant. We haven't talked out about at all. Um, yeah. H makes Iron Giant, which is kind of cool. I thought it was going to be this like um, in the in the book, you got a mech for completing the second tat, like second gate or something, and and, and that's different here, like. Um, H made it, mm-hmm. um, which was cool. And like, I mean, Iron Giant looked good, and 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 um, Iron Giant references, uh, you know, when when the, uh, her character dies, references Terminator, yeah. which was really funny. Little thumbs the up, thumbs up is yeah. going into the lava. Ever, that got a laugh but, in my um, theater for sure. Um, Gundam, man, big time. That was awesome. Big time it was moment so for cool. me. And like, we were talking, my wife and I were talking about that. Like, I'm not a huge Gundam guy, but like, I've seen some of it. But like, she was more into Gundam, I think, than I was. But seeing it realized in this world and like it looked so right, but it was also this big 3D gra- like computer. Gra- it's so cool. And like I was bummed because I had this spoiled for me in the third trailer and it was still awesome. But I was like, oh, man, I kind of wish they hadn't shown that because like I knew it was coming and I was kind of waiting on it the whole time. Right. And I really would have liked to had that be a pure surprise, I think. I was freaking out, man. I said it in the I said it in the book episode. I was like, I'm choosing Gundam, dude. Like I, I mm-hmm. that's my mech that I'm choosing. And then he literally Daito's like up on the he's on the the Firefly ship, and he's like he like flies oh, in I on the Firefly ship. People lost their minds. And then he it's like you get to choose one one mech, and he's like I choose Gundam, and he turns in. I was like, oh my god, such <laughs> a big moment for me. And it's so badass, man. It was like I, now you we have cool to, man. A Gundam movie is on its way because of this scene. There's got to be a Gundam movie in the in the works now, uh, maybe. And he 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 fucks up the Mecha Godzilla pretty good, but doesn't quite kill him. Yeah, so badass. Just like that was that that and The Shining, that was it for me. Those were the those were the two big ones for me. Uh, big references that I loved. So yeah, so, he uh, 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 Artemis is the one who actually ends up bringing down Mecha Godzilla, right? Like she blasts a hole through the eye or something mm-hmm. and is able to throw like a bomb into his. I had I had that little toy, by the way, one of those little gooey toys that you squeeze them and they like. Yeah, I had one of those. So when your eyes it pop there, out, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she blows them up and then they move into like the final phase of this of this story where they all kind of go up to the adventure game. But there's a fight at the end. Well, they've been doing a bunch of different games. They're trying to figure out what game it is that mm-hmm. needs to be beaten on the Atari or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I was a little had... disappointed we didn't we didn't get a like prominent Joust reference. Yeah, and that's such a big game in the book. There was like a like poster that, like, on the I... wall, but like I wanted, yeah, I wanted there okay. to be like an actual Joust. Like I wanted like it to be played. 
I think yeah. they said. I mean, something I guess adventure it, makes sense because it's the original Easter egg and all that stuff. So I, I, it makes sense. But I, I maybe I would have liked to see a, a quick thing of like somebody playing it yeah. who then goes into the ice, you know? Yeah. Because we got that for a few other games. Yeah, I felt like adventure fit, and like I, I obviously would have liked to have seen Joust because that's probably one of my new favorite games that is old that I had <laughs> never played before. Um, yeah. Because of this, we played it. Uh, yeah. So we we get into this situation where everybody dies. You know, where we, yeah, the 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 bomb goes off. So that's just like the book. So the bomb goes off and it, and it wipes out all of the avatars. But before entire... that, we get the fight between. Before that, we get the fight between Sorrento and and Parzival, and he's like, they're like fighting, and then he like gets one good hit on Parzival, and Parzival's like, he's like, this is my world, basically, and just like goes off on him, and then uses Hadouken. From uh, oh yeah, Street that Fighter. was a funny. That was a cool reference. It's cool, man. Yeah. So that that happens, and then uh, yeah, Parzo, or uh, Sorrento is able to get over to the bomb and activate the bomb, goes off. So yeah, and then just like the just like the book, the one up, the coin that he was given by the the curator life, gives yeah. him the one up. He comes back, and, and that that was for for a bet he makes in in the movie. He mm-hmm. makes a bet, and he says, I, "There's not any other references to Kira." And the curator's like, yes, there is. And he's like, nah, man, I bet you, you know, like all the money I have or something. And so then he looks it up and he's right. And so he gets the coin, which was funny because like he tries to like throw it away, but then he doesn't end up throwing it away mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because um, I immediately knew, I was like, oh, this is how they're doing it here. Right. Um, yeah. In, in the book, he, uh, he does it quite differently. I guess I'll leave that for a, if you want to go read the book and you don't know. Yeah. It's a very different thing. Parzival realizes that he needs to play adventure. And he immediately knows what to do. He's like, okay, well, obviously you don't beat the game. Everybody was trying to beat Adventure. And they, yeah, I think they did beat it. Their whole team of, 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 of like scholars didn't think of the fact that you should find the Easter egg. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of that where I'm like, mm, come on. But, you know, whatever. This movie is not, I, I, you know, another conversation I have with my wife. You can't really overanalyze this too much. Like, how were they able to get them all together so quickly? Were they all they? Why did they all live in the same city? Right. Um, there are certain things like you just can't worry about it too much. There's not enough time for them to tell, to like tell those kind of details. And ultimately, audiences don't care. Right. For this movie. Yeah, it's just one of those things. You're going with it, and we're we're yeah. riding along for the story, no matter what happens. Yeah. Like the idea that no one drove backwards in the race for five years of people trying this thing. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I, it's just, you know, like I said, it's like just believable enough, maybe, but come on. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Parzival gets to the Easter egg, gets the Easter egg, and then gets this uh, this kind of interesting interaction with, with Halliday. He goes into like his childhood home and there's a young Halliday sitting there and old Halliday comes in and he's all eccentric and trying to find the Easter egg because he, he lost it. <laughs> And telling him about what's important and getting out there and and all that is being out in the real world is also more important because it's the only place to get a decent meal. Yeah. So I thought that was a yeah. lot of fun. I liked that we got like the the bookend with with Halliday, and then there's also that mystery of he's like, are you? He's like, are you really dead or something? Are you still? Are you? Is it really? How is this? How are you here? How are you so? You know. Yeah, and he says he is really dead. Um, that was interesting too, because I like that too. It's like he's almost the ghost in the machine now. He's this like, I, I almost feel like he has a digital soul that's living on inside the oasis, which is not something that we really get in the in the book. Um, but I think it's a really interesting idea, and absolutely, it's almost like a from a different novel <laughs> or something. Yeah. But it's a really interesting kind of sci-fi thought that that people have talked about, and they only touch on it really in this movie. But that was my take that it was essentially an uploaded consciousness. 
inside that lives inside the oasis now. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was really cool. And uh, we get the big red button reference from the book. Yeah, which what did you think of seeing? They, were you surprised to see it? And make yeah, because they changed so much other stuff, but they had the big red button. I was so. like, I guess the big red button's still gonna be here. And I was like, I was like, maybe Ready Player Two is definitely gonna have a red button. <laughs> no, but I thought it was funny yeah. because he's like in the car and it's like shaking around, and then like when he shows him the big red button, he like almost falls into it and pl- and presses it, and then he's like, and then Halliday's like, uh, try not to press the button. Yeah, yeah. Try not to accidentally press the button on your first day. But he's. It's also when he's trying to give him the key or whatever, mm-hmm. and like he can't take it, and he's like, "Do you want it?" Like <laughs> it was like, funny, like his reaction to it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And then he's trying to like put it in the keyhole, and there's there. I mean, Spielberg, even something like that, he knows how to build tension. Like he's in the car, he's like being shifted around and stuff. They're under attack, and he's trying to put the key in, and everybody's like on the edge of their seats, just waiting for him to turn this key. Just good filmmaking, yeah. man. Yeah, so um, we also get some more um, post. Post um, Wade is now in charge of the Oasis details. Oh, well, I guess we should first talk about the scene where Sorrento arrives with the gun and he opens the back door and he's going to shoot Wade, but then doesn't because he can see that he has the Easter egg and he's like sees the joy on his face and he's like weeping with joy. And Sorrento ended up not doing it. And I thought that was an interesting thing because like, you did kind of feel like his character, although a buffoon and like clearly out of touch and this like corporate hack, he wasn't really evil in like a di- diabolical way. So I liked the idea that he like in that moment realizes that he's lost and to kill him now would just be murder and it wouldn't actually serve any of his purposes, right? right. It would just be, you know, or act of revenge. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt about his character. Very Spielberg villain to do that where it's yeah. like he he's got a little layer of something else there like he's pretty one-dimensional but he's got that little bit of like he's just like resentful towards towards he just wants the easter egg so that he can rule it all because that's all he ever wanted and halliday never gave him the time of day and then he sees it is, in i mean the did moment. you read that 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 last scene the same way i just said is that yeah. how you how you read i it? think it was his yeah. moment of being like he was like that's all i wanted and he did it so what's what would killing him really do you know right so yeah, and that's basically the end of the movie. We get some some talk of how they're going to run it together and Ogden Moro. Oh yeah, and I wanted to talk about that. They um they're going to split it up among the clan. Uh, Ogden Moro shows up and Simon Pegg. It's like oh yeah, Simon Pegg's in this movie. He shows up. <laughs> um, but I wanted to mention the idea of him implementing this no Tuesday and Thursday rule for all of the Oasis. And he says it's it wasn't as popular. I'm like hell yeah, that would be people would be. But besides themselves was anger, especially anger people who who because they're gonna be like, what if that's my day off? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's my day. <laughs> that's my only day off. Yeah. You know what? The better way to do it, if I could like nitpick a little bit, um, just introduce an hour cap. You can only play a certain number of hours a week. Yeah. Whenever those hours are, the idea of a strict Tuesday Thursday thing's a little bit silly. Like, it's almost like no way that would would last. But yeah, if you did like a, you can only play so many hours. I mean, World of Warcraft might consider doing this just to like for the freaking health of their subscribers Mm -hmm. right you can only play a certain amount of hours per week before your account is like locked until a certain time it seems like shooting yourself in the foot as as a game developer but if you're trying to implement something to like keep people grounded yeah i think that might be a better way to do it yeah oh and uh so wade gets the girl he's uh he's with artemis at the end they're making out in a chair and it's definitely still very male wish for with wish fulfillment she's still like basically hot in the outside world with just like a birthmark which is same thing in the book Mm -hmm. um 
So in some ways, like it's very, it's much the same, but I, I just, I think the overall improvements to her character make this story a little more palatable and, and, you know, depending on your own personal taste, like how much you enjoy this kind of romance thing. Um, I thought it worked better in the movie. Yeah. And I think that they took away some of what made Wade very, like when you looked at his character objectively and you said like, okay, what is, he's this white guy who saves everyone, does everything perfectly, knows everything. And that was like the very much the gatekeeping of, of this whole thing where nobody else could do it, but him. So I think they, they right. did a pretty good job of, of, I mean, you look at the group, the high five was a pretty, pretty hodgepodge group. Pretty, pretty, um, diverse, diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also Wade was, he was less of a creepy stalker. Mm-hmm. Like he was a creepy stalker a little bit in the book, right. you know, yeah, there definitely had moments of it at least. And him not doing that in the movie, I think, made it work a lot better, at least in my memory of the movie. I don't remember him being like that. Yeah, they still, I will say that something that you brought up uh, in multiple episodes was they still made the joke that I felt was a little cringy was the 300-pound guy in the basement joke was still made. Yeah, it was still in there. I mean, but we said it, and it's true, online relationships, it's a danger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, it, it is kind of a homophobic thing. But, like, people have sexual orientations, and if you are interacting with someone who is lying about, you know, their gender or whatever, like, it, it that kind of thing can happen, and it can be uh, a, a real danger with online romances. So, I get that it needs to be a thing, right? because um, it, it is a source of real tension in the book and in the movie of, like, well, is Artemis really who she says she is yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, man. So, um, I, I mean, I guess we're really at the end here. Have we written anything at the end? That, that, that's how the movie ends, right? That's it. Um, so what? I guess you know, maybe maybe at the end of our the very end of this episode, we can each say like one thing we we really missed. Not necessarily that we thought it should have been in there, but just something that we missed seeing that we were kind of maybe secretly hoping we could see. Um, or and then maybe like our favorite thing that they added that was like really good. So you, you want to say that for the very, very end here? Yeah. All right. So before we get to that, uh, if you'd like to connect with us, we are all over social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. We're at ink to film on all three of those. Um, follow us, connect with us. Um, we'll be announcing new projects, talking about current things. The other way, if you wanted to really be up on like what's coming up and, 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 and be a part of kind of our inner circle... One way to do it is to sign up for our newsletter, which uh, you can find on our website, which is inktofilm.com, uh, and there'll be a link there. You click on sign up for the newsletter. We'd love to have you along, and uh, we can give you all the, all the updates so you'll be uh, the first to know. Yeah, and if you wanted another way to interact with us, uh, you can send us feedback to inktofilm at gmail.com. Send us comments, questions, things that you liked about Ready Player One, things you're excited for about Fellowship of the Ring, which is our next project. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I don't know that we, we we highlighted that enough. Yeah, next up we're doing Fellowship of the Ring, so uh, that's a big one. Um, and yeah, if you, we'd love to hear like your reaction. Like, wh- how do you feel about the books versus the movie? Is is this a, be- a beloved thing for you? That kind of stuff. Like, we want to hear your stories. So, uh, if you have anything like that, go ahead and uh, uh, send them to our, our our Gmail. The other thing that really helps our podcast keep going is just ratings and reviews and subscribing. Like all those things helps us rise in the ranks, get up on the charts all that stuff, get more more listeners, grow. Um, that's all really important to us. So you could do us a big favor if you just leave us a review, if you enjoyed this episode. 
um, that would we'd, we'd love that. Lastly, we wanted to say thank you to Audible. They gave us an affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And again, with that, you get 30 free days to their service and one free credit in their whole collection. Yeah, and also thank you to Crown Publishing, who we did this whole contest with for this entire project where we gave out books, we gave out movie posters. And that's something we want to continue to do in the future. So we're going to be reaching out to people and see if we can work it out again. But you know, in the short term, thank you to them for, for doing that with us. Definitely. It's, that was so much fun to bring that kind of stuff to our listeners. Also, thank you to Technoax's royalty-free music for the use of our intro and outro music. Which I said last time, I love it. I think it's great. Perfect for this project. So that was a great find. Um, yeah, thank, thank you to them. Check out their YouTube channel. Maybe tell them that we sent you. All right, man. Are you ready to give me your 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 stuff? Are you ready for your reaction to get your answers? Yes. What's what's one thing? First off, let me hear the one thing that you really were kind of hoping to see that you didn't see. I wanted to see some skin jobs, man. I wanted to see some Blade Runner. <laughs> you wanted the Blade Runner reference. Yeah. And having Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I figured it wasn't going to happen. But like, yeah. I would have freaked out if we got any any sort of Blade Runner stuff. And we may have, and I may have missed it. But yeah, I wanted it might to see be in like, there hidden. I wanted to see the full on replicants i wanted to see the void comp test i yeah. wanted to see all of that be one of the, the clues to one of the keys but i mean and i we understand could have gotten why any there. movie like we got we got the shining but we could have gotten like any movie you know what i mean like and it's like i uh, you know I, they had this whole i don't know if you saw this they had this whole social media thing where they were putting out movie posters with the guys from ready player one like in them yeah like back to the future and, it, and all that stuff it's fun to think about what that would look like in this you know in, in this film yeah, man. I, I, like I said, I mean, I'll just go right into my next part. The thing that I was yeah. happy to see that was a happy change was the shining stuff. Both of my things had to be movie yeah. related. The, uh, the shining thing really was like that scene will transcend this movie for me. Like I will be like reference. I will be like, you remember the ready player one scene and everybody will be like, yeah, yeah the shining scene. Cause it was so amazing. And I felt in the moment, like they were, I, I will find out. I don't know for sure if they use actual footage <laughs> or not, but I thought that was the coolest thing if they did use actual footage from The Shining. Yeah, for me, um, I, I mean, for the movie, if, I'll agree with you. The, it, honestly, it was The Shining thing. I, I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to think of something different, but that was the coolest addition. I, I totally agree. It was awesome. Um, my thing that I missed was I missed a scene of him going into a D&D, you know, dungeon and, and playing a game beside a lich. Like that was such a cool thing for that first, and 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 I'm not saying that I think it would have worked better, you know what I mean, than what they did. I just missed it. Like I, I would have liked to see this lich and him and him sitting down to play, you know, or standing beside him at an arcade to play this to play joust. Um, so I guess that that was my my one thing I'd say that I I kind of missed out. Yeah, I'd like to have seen that as well. That would have been. I mean, it's I understand that the race was was like I said before more visually interesting. But yep. that would have been so much fun to see as the first. And just player. traveling through a D and D dungeon, right, with your gear and 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 having to avoid traps and stuff. I mean, like I'm a D and D geek through and through. You know, like I grew up playing that. So the, the lack of D and D stuff in this movie was kind of sad. But you know, D and D is famously not a very visual thing. Like it's all imagination. So I'm, it's not shocking either. But um, yeah, those are my things. Speaking of D and D, if you like if you like high fantasy and you're with me, hey man, Fellowship of the Ring. We're up. It's up next. We're starting to read it now. So if you have a copy, so read along with us. Yeah, we're going to cover, I think, the first third in our next episode. Um, we're going to do it in three parts. So we'd love to have you along. Um, otherwise, I think that's it for Ready Player One. 
for Ernest Klein uh, until the possibility of Ready Player Two one day, maybe. Um, but other than that, I'm 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 ready to call this one. Uh, how about you? Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. All right, time to push the big red button and shut it down for good. See you guys.